Verse 1 in chapter 16 says, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. And this is somewhat similar to the, uh, to the sixth plague in Egypt. Look at Exodus, the ninth chapter. Uh, it says, Then they took ashes from the furnace and stood before Pharaoh, and Moses scattered them toward heaven, and they caused boils that break out on, in sores on man and beast. Now the word uh, boils, the, the word that's translated boils back in the Greek Old Testament, it's the exact same word here when it, that's translated loathsome sore. It's also, also the same word that was used in the book of Job to talk about the boils that, that Job was enduring. And it's also the same word that is translated sores that the beggar Lazarus was enduring. Okay? So just so you know, that this, the first angel pours out his bowl on, of, of plagues on the earth, and those who have the mark of the beast worship the image of his name. Those are the ones that are affected by these boils. Verse 3. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood It became blood as of a dead man, and every living creature in the sea died. Now, we're talking here about incredibly vast amounts of land. Because, you know, in our day, it seems like, you know, we have our, our local map. We have, you know, our, our area with our streets. And, and we, we tend to see everything is very localized today. Even if there's an earthquake, it's a localized earthquake. When the, when the uh, hurricane was going up the uh, eastern seaboard a few weeks ago, you know, it was, still, it was still centrally located. It was still one area. And I also brought with me a map of the entire world. And I tore it in the first service. And I'll see if I can tear it in the second service so it can become a holy map. Boom. I got a million of them. Okay. <laughs> and, and those of you that laughed, you're old for the record. Okay? All of you that just laughed, you're old. <laughs> you know, people sitting here saying, what in the world was that? Okay. <laughs> okay. So, you know, we tend to think, we tend to think in, in terms of, of where we are, in terms of the streets that we're familiar with. And when we talk about what's taking place in the book of Revelation, it's a worldwide thing, okay? It's not just one area. It's not just one country that's affected by a tsunami or one, one country that's affected by an earthquake or one country that's affected by, by a drought. The entire world now is being affected. And what we just read was that every living creature in the sea died. Now, we're, we hear more and more about, you know, ecology and, and, and the, the balance of nature and, and, and all of these things. And, and, and we tend to, to realize in our day how important the oceans are to us. And if the oceans became so polluted that there was nothing living in it. We remember back in the eighth chapter of Revelation, we read uh, that the second angel sounded and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. At that time, a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Okay? Now we have all of the oceans ceasing to, to sustain life. So we're talking about global stuff, not just you know, local stuff, not stuff that's just happening in one spot in the world. 
And this plague is incredibly destructive. Verse 4, Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. So the sea has been affected by, by this, this um, plague, and in the next plague, the, the fresh water sources are affected as well. And this is similar to the first plague in Egypt. Look at uh, Exodus, the seventh chapter, the 19th verse. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, say to Aaron, take your rod and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their streams, over their rivers, over their ponds, and over all their pools of water that they may become blood, and there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in buckets of wood and pitchers of stone. Now, what I find really interesting about this plague is what we read in verse 5, and actually verse 5 through, through 9. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. And I heard another angel from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Now, as we talk about the the angels mentioning here, that what's happening on the earth right now is just. The, The plagues that are happening, the judgment that is coming is all just and deserved. Now, for us in the world we're living in today, okay, we, we read this and it's like, that is so extreme. That is like, you know, where's the mercy? Where's the love? Where's the grace? You have to understand that the world that the Antichrist will be in control of, the world after every believer is gone, after anyone who becomes a Christian, anyone who calls on God is put to death, you have no idea how cruel this world becomes. See, because we live in a, you know, we, we live in a, a, a fairly tame world, a fairly nice world. You know, we have fairly nice neighbors and, and we, you know, live in a fairly nice area and we, you know, get along with people and, and, you know, when we're in the grocery store, you know, people aren't pushing in front of us. They're not being rude. And if somebody is rude, it's like, wow, you know, where are they coming from? What's their problem, Right? And, and we just kind of get caught up in, in our little world and, and the people that we deal with. I remember when, when uh, Carmel's mom was, was diagnosed with dementia, that none of the family members knew she had dementia because she was, she was fine, okay? She, was, she would drive herself to church. She would drive herself to the grocery store. She would drive herself to the doctors. Everything was fine. You would never know there was anything wrong with her at all. In fact, uh, there was a point in time because she would, she would drive down here. She lived in Visalia, and she would drive down here on, on a regular basis. And she would drive to, occasionally drive to her daughters in, in Reading and drive to Merced, where her son lived, a lot. Okay? And all of a sudden, she stopped driving to Reading. And then pretty soon, she stopped driving to, to Victorville. And after a while, she stopped driving to Merced. And, you know, none of the kids, you know, the kids didn't think anything of it. It's like, okay, you know, she doesn't want to come. That's, that's fine. It's no problem. And when, when they were talking to the doctor, the doctor explained that someone with dementia, their world gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And when she was at, at the last stages, she could still drive herself to the doctor. She could still go everywhere she wanted to go, and it was all localized, 
okay? And she wouldn't venture out of, outside of that area that she was very comfortable in. And she, of course, you know, didn't know what was going on. She just thought this was normal. And we all, I mean, all the kids thought, well, this is, this is fine. You know, she doesn't have to drive long distances. I mean, what if her car breaks down? That'd be a terrible thing, you know, for, for her to be stuck somewhere. And, and so we didn't realize, but, but you know, that, that small world is what all of us get into. Okay, we're, we're kind of in our small world where, you know, we go to work and, and we, don't, we don't go to, you know, different, different areas very often. If we're on vacation, of course, we may be in, in some other state somewhere and driving on some roads that we're, that we're totally unfamiliar with. But our world is, is pretty much a, a safe place. It's pretty much a nice place. We're, an, we're, we're okay in our little world right here. You have no idea what the world is going to be like when all goodness is gone. No idea of how wicked the heart of people can be, and, and the, the complete overthrowing of, of everything that's good, overthrowing of everything that's righteous, it's, it's what, what takes place in the last days for, for this angel to say, God, you are so just. Your judgments are all just. They're all righteous. You are giving people exactly what they deserve. It's hard for us to imagine that because in our little world, it's a fairly safe place. It's a fairly good place. There's a lot of good people that live in our little world. Well, I got news for you. There are a lot of rotten people in this world today and a lot of rottenness that is being held back by the light of the world and the salt of the earth, which is the church, which are believers. And when that salt is removed, that light is removed, the world plunges into darkness, and the world plunges into iniquity. So just in case you're, you're reading this, you say, wow, I can't imagine the world being so bad that they deserve this. You understand that in the days of Noah, the world became so bad that God had to bring judgment upon it. Okay? It's going to be the same way in the last days. It's going to be so bad that this judgment is just. Verse 8, then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. So in contrast to what happened back in the eighth chapter of Revelation where uh, the fourth angel sounded the trumpet and a third of the sun was struck and a third of the moon, a third of the stars, and a third of them were darkened, a third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. And that, that was probably the result of something happening in, happening in the atmosphere of the earth that the light of the sun, the light of the moon, the light of the stars were unable to shine through. But what takes place now is that the sun is intensified in its heat. And, and some scientists have looked at this and said this kind of sounds like a, like a supernova when a star is, is getting ready to die. It becomes hotter than normal. Uh, and, and so there's an increase in the, in the temperature of the sun, which would mean there's an increase in the temperature of the earth. And the sun, um, the, the intensity of the sun is increased so much that they are that man is scorched with the great heat, okay? So in case you're concerned about global warming, there will be a day of global warming, okay? And, and, and not only do you want to miss the global warning, you want, warming, you want to miss the eternal warming too, okay? Someone once said there's only two choices for eternity, smoking and non-smoking, and we want non-smoking, Okay? <laughs> But notice the response. Did, did you see the response? And they were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent. Well, you would think that, that certainly this would open their eyes. This would wake them up. They would realize, man, we are under the judgment of God, and we need to repent. 
But we've talked a couple weeks ago about when this takes place, the temple is filled with smoke, and it's kind of like man's not calling on God anymore. Man's not looking to him, and here's their response. They, they blaspheme him. Verse 10, Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. Now imagine going from extreme heat, kind of like you remember when you were a kid and you, you went to the beach, and, and for a lot of you, sunscreen was unknown to you as a kid, okay? Just for the record, sunscreen hasn't always been around for those of you that are younger and Jimmy Durante was around, and never mind. Uh, and, but but you, you remember getting sunburned. And then the sun went down, and it started cooling off, and you went through these chills. Now imagine if the sun has increased its intensity, and the world is, is extremely hot, and all of a sudden, there's no light at all. And they gnawed their, their tongues because of the pain. But you'll notice that this bowl was poured out on the throne of the beast and on his kingdom, and his kingdom became full of darkness. And that, that's really reminiscent of Exodus 10.22, where Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. But where the Israelites lived in the land of Goshen, there was light, and there was this division. Okay, It was like dark here and light right here, and it's going to be the same way in that day, because in, that, in the kingdom of the Antichrist, it is sheer darkness. And does it cause them to wake up? Well, let's look at verse 11. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and did not repent of their deeds. So even at this point, there's, there's no repentance. So these intense things are happening on planet earth and man is just stubborn, stubborn and resisting God's will. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. Now, the first thing that happens when the sixth angel pours out his bowl of wrath is that the water of the Euphrates River, which has always been the, the physical division between the east and the west, is dried up. And it, we're told why it's dried up. It's dried up to prepare the way for the kings of the east. So those that are in, in India, China, that, that you know, cannot approach the Middle East right now because of this barrier called the Euphrates River, um, that, that is removed. And look at verse 13. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon. Remember who the dragon is? The dragon is the devil. And out of the mouth of the beast. Remember who the beast is? The beast is the Antichrist. And out of the mouth of the false prophet. And the false prophet is this individual who's causing everyone to worship the beast, to worship the Antichrist. He's the one who comes up with the idea that you need to take the mark on your hand or on your forehead. He's the one who makes an image of the beast and then enables it to talk, and he performs all of these miracles. Okay, that's a false prophet. So a frog came out of each of their mouths. So in case you're thinking frogs are good, no, frogs are evil. <laughs> For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. So all the nations of the world are going to be gathered together to fight against God. Okay, that's what this showdown really is. Verse 15, Behold, I am coming as, coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. We're going to talk about this verse in just a couple of minutes. Verse 16, And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. 
And the place where, they, where these armies come together is near the area of Mount Megiddo, an area that we refer to as, as Armageddon. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. And there were noises and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Now the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Then every island fled away, and the mountains were not found, and great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent. Men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, since the plague was exceedingly great. So as this last bowl of God's wrath is poured out, some unbelievable things happen, okay? Uh, there's, there's noises, there's thundering, there's lightning. There, was, there is an earthquake that is unlike any earthquake that has ever happened in the world before, okay? Completely unprecedented. It brings down the nation of Babylon. It causes islands to literally disappear, it causes mountains to flatten out, and there is hail that comes from heaven. Now, I, I know every once in a while you see on the news, you know, there was a hail storm, and, and there, were, there was softball-sized hail that, that, you know, came in this area, and they, you know, show the holes in the roof and the cars that were destroyed by it. Okay, now enlarge that just a little, because a talent, we're talking over 100 pounds. So these hailstones are over 100 pounds each. And again... What does man do? Blaspheme God because of the hail. Blames him because of the hail. Not realizing that they brought this upon themselves. And so as all of this is taking place, this, this is it. Because remember we, we talked about uh, two weeks ago, we talked about the, uh, the three sevens in the book of Revelation, that we have the seven seals that were open, and with each seal that was on the scroll was open, there was judgment that came, and then there was the there was the sounding of the seven trumpets, and as these angels sounded their trumpets, there were judgments that came upon the earth. And then when we got to the, the plagues, when we were introduced to those in, in chapter 15, we were told this is it. Okay, after these are, are done, everything's over. A after this, the Lord is coming back. He's going to establish his kingdom. He is, and, and we're going to get to the good part of Revelation here pretty quick um, as we you know, read through the 22nd chapter. But this is it. This is the last set of sevens, the last set of plagues. And when this is over, the tribulation period is over, the judgment of God is over. Now, I told you I was going to take you back to verse 15, and I want to do that right now. Verse 15 says, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Now, the events that we're reading about chronologically in chapter 16 makes verse 15 not fit chronologically. In fact, if we leave it out, look at, let, let's read verses 13 through 16, but leaving out verse 15. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. Do you see how it flows right there? Just, it just flows. That, that's, the, the thought is continued. But interjected is verse 15. 
And if you happen to be following along in your Bible and you happen to have a red letter edition of the Bible, I want you to notice that there's no other red letters on the pages you're looking at. In fact, if you start going back, you're not going to find any red letters going back for a ways. In fact, you have to go all the way back to the third chapter, the 22nd verse, to read the last words in red, which words in red are the, red, the words of Jesus. And if you go forward from the 16th chapter, you have to go all the way to the 22nd chapter, the 7th verse, to find some more red-letter words, because red-letter words, again, are the words of Jesus. So this is just really an amazing verse of Scripture because it doesn't take, it's not a word for those who are in the tribulation period. It's not a word for those who are, who are going through the, the bowls of God's wrath right then. This word was placed there for those of us who would read this before it ever began. And it's so easy for us to get all caught up in this. And it's like, man, we've got the seals and we've got the trumpets and we've got the bowls of wrath and, and all of these things are coming and, and all these dreadful things are happening on planet Earth and we get all caught up in that. But in the midst of it, Jesus says, time out. Time out. There's something I want you to know right now. And he says, behold, I am coming as a thief Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And I want to break this down. The first word that he says in verse 15 is behold. Look. Okay? This is an important aspect of, of our belief. Okay? We're not called, we're not looking forward to the, the events of the tribulation period. I read these and I'm troubled by them. Okay? It, you know, I don't read this and say, yes, let him have it, God. This is so good. I'm thinking, God, you have made a way for all of us to avoid this, that we don't have to go through this tribulation period. We don't have to endure these things, but we can escape these things. In fact, Jesus talked about that. Okay? He called us to look, to watch, to wake up. Mark 13, 37, he said, what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Okay? So behold, look, watch. This is not the only time he said it. I love Luke 21:36, where Jesus said, Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So Jesus' promise to us is if we're watching and we're praying, we're going to miss the tribulation period. We're going to miss this time of God's judgment. And I love the words he used, and those are his words, that you may be counted worthy to escape. Because usually when we talk about the rapture of the church, we talk about the catching away of the church, there are people who say, well, that's nothing but escapism. And I want the record clear today. Who used the word escape? Jesus. Okay? If it's escapism, it's Jesus' escapism. All right? Okay. So he said, did you count it worthy to escape all these things? Not some of them, but all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. You see, as a believer right now, we're not looking forward to the tribulation period. We are looking forward to the coming of the Lord. When Paul was writing to Titus, he says in Titus 2.13, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why we refer to the rapture of the church as the blessed hope of the church. Literally, blessed hope means hope that makes happy. If you're a believer and you think about the Lord returning, you can't help but say, yes. That sounds really good, okay? It's the hope that makes us happy. No more bills. Somebody say amen, okay? <laughs> no more problems, no more sickness, no more death. All of that is gone, okay? So behold is the first thing Jesus said. Then he goes on to say, I am coming as a thief. 
And Paul talked in, in those same terms. Look at, at, at 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter. He said, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes, here's the word, as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Now, hear Paul's admonition to the church as they're getting ready for the return of the Lord. He says, live in the light, don't sleep, watch and be sober. Now, it doesn't mean you can't sleep at all, but spiritually, you need to stay awake. Okay, for those of you that are suffering from insomnia, all right, you may be saying, well, I'm living that scripture. No, okay. <laughs> Take the Psalmonix, it's okay. Uh, so we are to live in the light. We are not to be sleeping, but rather we are to be watching and we are to be sober, okay? We need to be serious about this whole thing. So we're going we're gonna to live in the light, we're going to watch, uh, we're going to not sleep, and we're going to be sober because we don't know when the Lord is going to return. So Jesus here in Revelation 16, 15 talks about his return being like the coming of a thief. Now why would he... Why would he liken his coming to the coming of a thief? I jotted down a few things. First of all, the coming of a thief, he comes unannounced, okay? A thief does not ring your doorbell in the middle of the night, okay? So you can open your door and let him in. Secondly, a thief comes without warning. The thief is not going to call you two days beforehand. Hi, is this Ray? Yes, it is. Well, Ray, I'm going to be breaking into houses on San Dimas Street, and I just wanted to give you the heads up so, you know, you wouldn't set your alarm on Tuesday night. No problem. You got it. Bye-bye, thief. Okay? They come unannounced. They come without warning. Okay? So come unannounced, come without warning, okay? And come suddenly, okay? And it's just quickly when they come. And they come to take something. Because if they don't take anything, they're not a thief. They're a trespasser. Right? So if somebody comes, breaks into your house, they're guilty of breaking and entering. They're guilty of trespassing. But they're not guilty of being a thief unless they take something. So when Jesus talks about him being coming like a thief, he's obviously coming to take something. Because if he doesn't take something, then he just has entered. He hasn't taken. And he comes at a dark time, and the thief comes when people sleep. So just bear, bear, bear witness with me that, that Jesus says that his coming is like the coming of a thief. In other words, you're not going to have a, a a, a, an announcement given to you prior to. You're not going to be given a 30-minute warning or a two-minute warning. It's not going to happen. He comes, and he comes to take something. So Revelation 16, 15, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garment. Okay, because the, the eminent return of Jesus has an effect on us. Okay, if we believe the Lord is coming soon, Jesus said there is a blessing connected with that. Look at, at Luke 12, 37. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. There's a blessing to those who are watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. Secondly, if we believe the Lord is coming, then we are going to live a life of purity. Okay, look at what John says in 1 John, the second chapter, or third chapter, second and third verses. Beloved, now we are the children of God. Not one day we're going to be, but right now we are the children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, 
we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. If the Lord's coming today, what kind of life are you going to be living? You're going to be living a pure life if you believe that, okay? And if we believe the Lord is coming soon, we will be clothed in a white garment. Let's go back to Revelation, the third chapter, where Jesus said, you have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments. They shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. So that's the promise. We get to be dressed in white. Revelation 16, 15, one more time. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garment, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Let me just say one thing to those of you that maybe have never accepted Christ, but you're kind of going through the motions of a Christian, okay? You know the lingo, you go to church. Bless your heart for going to church. You know, you're just, you're kind of just going through these motions. There's going to be one day when everybody's going to see that you were a phony, okay? See, it might as well be the real deal, okay? Because otherwise it's going to be a real embarrassing time when the Lord comes and you show up for church that Sunday morning. Say, can't figure out why the doors are locked. Okay. And if you have put your faith in Christ, you've trusted the right God, okay? Romans, the 10th chapter, 11th verse says, for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. And John tells us that we have great confidence regarding this. 1 John, 2nd chapter, 28th verse. And now, little children, abide in him that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Now, in closing, I want to ask you three questions today. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I'm not going to ask you to answer these questions out loud. But these are three questions I need to ask you today. Okay? Number one, are you ready should he come today? And second, are you watching for his coming? And third, are you sure that you will not be ashamed at his coming? Okay? Three questions. Father, as we look to you today, and as we think about those three questions, are we ready should, should your son return today? Are we watching for his coming? And are we sure that we will not be ashamed? God, you know our hearts, and we know our hearts. No one else can see that part of us. No one else can, can see what is in that innermost part of us where our will and, and the real us lives. And God, if we've been coming to church for years, but we've never put our faith in you, if we've, maybe at one time, you know, we got close to you and, 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 and we're kind of like that, that seed that fell on the stony ground. I mean, we, we heard the word, wow, we received it, and we, we sprang up, and we were all excited, and then, and then the sun came out, and, and, and life got a little difficult, and we just kind of withered away, but, but we still go to church. We're, we're withered away, but we still go through the motions. We still show up. We still do it. Or God, if... if Maybe we've gotten kind of discouraged and distracted by the things of this world and by trying to pay our bills and trying to figure stuff out. And, and Lord, maybe, maybe the things of the world have become more important to us than you are. And today, God, you're, you're calling to us to get back on track, to get the priorities of our lives right again, to, to put you as, as the Lord of our, of our lives. And we, this isn't the first time you've been dealing with us and and I just pray today that it will be the last time that you'll deal with us about this. Because we'll make a change today, God, that will change us forever. 
And if you're sitting here and, and any of those questions that I asked, are you ready should he come today? Are you watching for his coming? Are you sure that you will not be ashamed of his coming? If, if at any point on any of those questions you said no, we need to get it right today. We do. We, we just, we need to get it right today before we leave this place. And some of you may be sitting here and, and you don't even know where to start. I mean, if it comes to a, a conversation with God, it's like, wow, what do I even call him? You know, how do I call upon him? I don't even know where to start. Or maybe, you know, you've kind of, you've kind of drifted away and it's like I, I've lost my way back. I, you know, I, I didn't leave breadcrumbs so I could, I could find my way back there. And, and today you're saying, I, I need to get back, but I'm not sure where to start. I'm going to help you with a prayer right now, right where you're sitting. I just want you to repeat these words after me. And one thing really important, I want you to pray this prayer out loud. And the reason I want you to pray this prayer out loud is because the Bible says that we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouth and we're saved. And that's why it's important for you to say these words out loud. And, and I know that kind of freaks you out. It's like, well, I don't mind praying, but as long as I can do it silently, no. No, you've got to do this one out loud. And to make that easy, we're going to pray the prayer together. A lot of us sitting here don't need to pray this prayer today, but we'll say it out loud just so you can pray out loud and not feel strange or awkward like everybody's looking at you, okay? So say these words with me today. Heavenly Father, I admit to you that I've messed up. I have sinned. I have failed you. I've chosen to go my own way rather than your way but I'm stopping today. And I'm asking you to forgive me of all of my sin, of all those things that I would be ashamed of if anyone found out or when I stood before you. And today, God, I put my faith in you and I confess my belief in your Son, Jesus Christ. I believe he died for me that I might have a relationship with you, that I might be your child, and you might be my God. Accept me today, God. Give me a new start and a new life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, I cannot emphasize to you how powerful that prayer is, okay? And it's not because we said certain things in a certain order or because Pastor Ray came up with the words. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with you calling upon the name of the Lord. And the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, Okay? And the Bible also says that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Which means, right now, if you were to ask God, God, what sins have I committed? He would say, I don't remember any of them. Now, you may remember them, but he has so forgiven you that they are no longer in his memory they're no longer where he's going to ever access them again. They are as far as the east is from the west. They are gone, okay? So I want you to understand that you are now going to walk in a newness of life because God has begun a whole new work in you, all because you called on him. Let's stand together today. Don't forget the month of wisdom. We're on day 18, Proverbs, the 18th chapter today. Okay, less than a half a month left and we're 
stocking up on wisdom, right? Nod your head to yes, Pastor Ray, we're stocking up on wisdom. Okay. Don't forget Jubilee HD on Facebook. You can read comments of different, different church members make about, about that chapter, maybe something that speaks to them. Now, you understand that, that uh, like it or not, whether you want it or not, you got a blessing coming this week. Okay? And, and you say, well, what did I do to deserve that? You came to church. You did. And you happen to come to a church that reads the book of Revelation. And the book of Revelation, first chapter, third verse, says, blessed is everyone who hears the words of this prophecy, reads the words of this prophecy, keeps the words of this prophecy. So that means because you've read them off the wall, you've heard them read to you today, you've got it down pat, guess what? You're going to be blessed. Like it or not, you're getting blessed. Just try to outrun the blessing this week. You can't do it. Okay? And we always conclude with the blessing of the book of Numbers, which says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Brad and Joyce, would you guys mind making